right, everybody. So this is the long-awaited conversation. We, Uncle Dave wanted to have this podcast a long time ago. And we had to actually first have many discussions in High Noon to get on the same page because it seems like purity is a very broad topic that is interpreted in an infinite different way in infinite different ways by different people based on your experience and your perspective. So we wanted to unpack it for our own sake and for your sake, because it's such an important topic that I think impacts us all, whether you are single or whether you're in a couple, whether you're 120 years old, this actually impacts you. So with me, I have an all-star cast. This is not usual. Benji is not here. He's, he's tapped out. We have Sammy here, who looks like he's got gun holsters on. Welcome, Sammy, back to the podcast. Hello. Great to be back. It's been quite a long time. Long time listener, first time caller. Welcome, Sammy. And we have Uncle David W. Wolfenberger. I don't even know what you, what is your middle name? My middle name is Lee. David Lee. Korean. We have a David Lee already in high noon, so I don't use that. <laughs> okay. Well, welcome back to your podcast that you own. And last time as a high noon person, and before she transitions to BFM, we have Karina Martinez, Karina's Cunningham, Cunning Man. Hey. Welcome, Cunningham. Let the lady speak, will ya? Ah, I'm glad that you only have one hour. Ah, thank you so much, everyone. Here I am, very excited to talk about this. Sweet. Welcome. So we are set up, and we're just going to go broad at first, and then we'll chip, chisel away at this topic. And the first, first item on the agenda is what is purity? And I'm just going to shut up, and whoever wants to talk, talk, because we're going to, and I, well, let's have a juicy conversation. Don't hold back. Uncle Dave, you look the most eager to talk. You have this smirk on your face. <laughs> yeah, got to say something. Well, I think in the past, I think people of the general consensus of, of people in our church, especially first gen, is that purity is like not having sex before marriage and, and losing your purity is having sex before marriage. And I, I don't think that's very productive. I don't think that's that's productive because if purity is collapsed with, if you collapse that with having sex, then there's no way to restore one's purity after it's been lost because you can't undo a sexual relationship. So I I believe that purity is a state of mind and heart and commitment to to giving ourselves fully, to being committed to our spouse or our future spouse. And it's something that we temporarily lose when we have sex before marriage or when we, to different degrees, if we engage in oral sex or even pornography, you lose some some level of purity. Okay, great. So we got Uncle Dave's perspective on that. Does anybody want to contest or debate yes i mean oh not i mean <laughs> go for it wholeheartedly endorse i mean i don't know <laughs> not cont- 
Does it need to be a debate person next? No. As, um, I, yeah, just I love what Uncle David said. I, I think that purity, I mean, talking about what is purity first, what I think it's not is this emphasis on an assert, like a checklist of activities, which for decades was how he was educated. And mm-hmm. that, you know, you do, you do that, you don't, mostly not even a clear list of things to do. Mostly don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And then you have this, holy grail status of being called pure. And uh, I think even within that definition, it's clearly flaws when you think about and talk about it, right? Like that, the idea of like penetrative sex and, and engaging in kind of sexual relationship as that is the, the line, black and white of purity status or in most cases. But there's such a spectrum within the realm of sexuality and sexual activity that very much, um, maybe dif- differently on a spiritual level, but very much on an emotional and you know, physical level, it affects you a lot and affects your future relationships, affects your life. Oral sex is one thing Uncle David mentioned. A lot of people, I don't want to say a lot, but you know, people have experiences with homosexual activity, right? Which would does would by the textbook, uh, the yeah, the textbook, the Judaic letter of the law would mean that they maintain their unfallen status but still has a huge impact all these different activities yeah and so it's more than that right because it's not that the that talking about those things is unimportant They're, they are very important which i think we'll talk about here we'll get into how why even sexually right this like maintaining abstaining from sexual behavior for a period of your life or until you're in a relationship with someone is really important uh, but it it's, does go beyond that which is kind of chewing on it and thinking about for a long time many years and talking about it amongst us that I think we've all come to recognize is really important you and I could keep talking but I'll pause and let someone else go well Karina's got something in the pipe I can see it yeah so Thank you, Sami, um, Uncle David. I I just want to bring up as well, like why where the emphasis on purity comes from, and where maybe got confused a little bit, right? So Christianity, there are Christ, Christians. Uh, Christianity is the first group actually emphasizing purity, and that's because there are a couple versicles in the Bible that says kept talking about purity, and then different versicles in the Bible that says that you should not have sex before marriage, right? It's very, really honorable to see that a lot of Christians have kept their sexual virginity because of a couple of versicles in the Bible. Like, there's not so much explanation in the Bible of why purity or why not having sex before marriage is important. But for those strong Christians, those versicles in the Bibles are enough to actually create and hold their standards, right? So that's first for Christianity. But then we, through True Parents and then the Divine Principle, we learned that sex has such a big impact on our lives, right? And that sex is the origin of the universe and therefore as well was the origin of the fallen world, right? Through the fall. And it was sex that brings... God's 
lineage and God's ideal for creation, right? So it really has a big impact on sex. And therefore, the emphasis on purity in a way is kind of like explaining why sex is so, so important, right? And what are the consequences of playing and doing things in with sex on the wrong time with the wrong person outside the blessing, right? And I think the problem is when we start to think about we lost why is important, right? Why sex is important and we focus on, okay, how to, what are the nitty gritties of purity, right? And when we start to say, oh, if I do this, I don't lose my purity. I don't lose my standard. I don't lose. And yes, there are certain limits that we had to put on. And there are certain limits like having, touching the sexual organs and having intercourse will mean change of lineage, right? I mean, it will mean some impact and big impact in a person's life. But then if we only focus on that and we only focus on, okay, purity on terms of like how, what I can do instead of like what is the impact of sex in my life and what I want for my life, then that's where things get kind of confusing. And as well, if we only focus on that, then we don't really helping people who did mistakes to really restore themselves, right? So... I think at the end of the day, we always want to come back to the vision of why purity is important, connected with the purpose of purity, which is to actually teach human humanity the importance of sex, right? So not to get lost in the details, but also to remember the reason why this is important. Yeah, it's, it's a good point. And so, well, in, in terms of purity, like it's clearly a broad topic. And what I'm hearing from Uncle Dave is that, you know, we shouldn't, and, and also Sammy, like there's kind of legalistic stuff to consider, but it's more than that. And I'm getting that from you, Karina, like purity is both the small and the big, but I would say that as an, as a, as a faith community, it's very easy to focus on somewhere in between. If you look at that, if you really look at it, because the details aren't very clear in our movements, right? Like what is what is actual purity from like an intellectual standpoint? Like, is my mind pure if I if I watch porn? Is that okay? So these kind of questions haven't been ironed out, but also the the clear reason why purity is important and the, the kind of vision aspect also isn't clear. So it seems like most people are kind of focused in the middle. Would you guys agree on that? That whatever discussions about purity, it's not necessarily about the vision of sexuality and it's not necessarily about the detail. It's more like these broad skeletal structures of purity is abstinence, like you're saying, Uncle David, abstinence before marriage and fidelity in marriage. That's most people's typical understanding. Would you agree or disagree? Anyway. Yeah, I would say that purity is very much connected to vision. Purity is more internal. It's the heart and the soul, and it's about the future. What you've done in the past that, well, 
like having had sex before marriage, that has to do with the physical body, with the past. And it's something that, you know, it's a thing, whereas the, whereas purity is, yeah, purity is a vision, I would say. A vision for how I want to use my physical body, my sexual organ. I'll, I'll add to that. Uh, I mean, but add to it and backtrack a little bit, right? <laughs> Two in one. So, I th- believing in a God of grace and redemption and believing in the principle of restoration, then to me, it just makes sense that something like purity, it, it needs to be something that is regainable through restoration, through repentance, right, through grace. And sexual status, virginity is not, obviously, right? And so, I, to me, it's just like one and A and then B, right? So then, that's the beginning process of starting with that. Okay, so what is something that is regainable that you can be restored to? And what kind of purity would that be? And to me, that's like lining up. So there's the backtrack and then, Adding on, so that makes sense with what Uncle David saying about yeah, it's something like a quality of your mind, right? And, and it's a, a way you relate with people and relate with yourself, and you relate with the world and your life, and it, it's something that that drives you into the, your future, and it mm. it's something that you know it dictates how you live your life, how you relate with people. And it's something that it affects the decisions that you make. So those kind of things. And in other ways, like when I think the classic example, what is something, who's someone that looks pure? Who is pure? It's children. People always think about children. They're the epitome of purity. And no one thinks about their sexual status when they're looking at children. It's like, oh, they're pure because they haven't had sex. That's, That's not what people think about. Hopefully, it's it's something about like the way they relate with the world around them. They relate with their parents. They relate with other children, with people. It's like a is the purity to their heart, pure heartedness mm-hmm. that they have. And and I think that's touching in that direction also. What purity really is. Can I? So I w- I would love full disclosure to talk about. There was contention when this topic came up, and I think it's worth discussing that. One thing that, Sammy, you brought up in your blog that you wrote, you wrote an article really defining purity, and it was really helpful because it it was the first stab at us really getting clear on what this thing is. You mentioned that in, you know, in the 90s, there was a lot of education about purity, and it was really educated. The education was along the lines that it's something that you need to maintain and keep. And if you are to desecrate this holy thing, then it's basically like you're used forever. And and that that ultimately had some negative repercussions. But then Uncle Dave, you were, you, what I understood from you, and you can clarify if, if I'm wrong, was that you just wanted to make sure that people understood that there are repercussions for losing your virginity that yes purity is a state of mind like was just mentioned from two of you but 
there's also a sexual purity that is that is very real that that is say lost through the engagement of sex prematurely right and so i just kind of wanted to unpack that a little bit because this is a very practical aspect that i think we can all agree that purity is, is a state of being and we can unpack that i would love to unpack that but there's there's also the physical reality of that can be used as a justification by immature people to maybe try and experiment a little bit and say, well, I can get back to that state of being later. I just want to kind of go to this dark place. So I just I just wanted to kind of open up that conversation because it was something that prompted some serious debate within High Noon. And I think we resolved it. I think we're friends again, right? But I it was like a very, I, I don't think it was just a couple of people's opinions. I think this is in the the lore about what is purity and a contention that you know people experience from either side so yeah absolutely andrew there is a high level of contention sammy and i we almost uh, went at it we <laughs> <laughs> it was fortunate i ordered a pair of boxing gloves on amazon and i was ready <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it all got started with that blog that sandy uh, sammy wrote that never got published uh, that nobody ever saw. I think this is this is a great segue into this because, yeah, this is a really. I think this is a huge crux of it, right? Like what I've seen as the flaw of purity education in the past is, and so this is we're entering that wanting to not throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? Is that there's really important things to this topic, but then voicing the flaws that were with that form of education. And and for me, it comes down to truth, right? And it's really important to educate the truth of the effects that actions have on us. So the yeah. truth of what are the, the actual effects of engaging in sex or any kind of sexual activity. And because there are. So just getting clear and helping people see clearly what those are. And because that's not how I was educated about in the past. I was educated very much in the way that who you know your your identity and your value as a human being is tied to this. And if you make these any kind you know make any kind of mistake in this area, you and these are things that people were told by very authoritative figures, right? Like you'll get a special box in hell that you'll never be able to come out of, and you'll lose your status as a second gen, etc. So things that are not true. They're lies, right? And so. Yeah, I think it's important to talk about, but from so people know truthfully because it can backfire, right? It, it either makes people just very afraid of this area, or they they recognize how untrue it is, and they can push back against it. And then so they you know they you get those people like you know well screw purity, it's all fake to begin with, and then they lose sight of the real effects that and the, the real things that are lost when you have purity. Because it's really crucial to a thriving marriage, is that you've got there's this way that you relate with your spouse, and then the way that you very actively not relate with other people, of course. Yeah, yeah. I remember one time I was at a, I was at a high school camp, and a first gen was giving a talk on purity, and he told there's a whole group of high schoolers there, and he told them that, as of now there's no way for some for a second gen who has lost their purity to to be restored 
it was I I was so angry. There were there are many sisters in the group that were crying, not many, but there are a few. And and afterwards I I I asked like a group of first gen, I, I said, you know, maybe we don't know specifically what the mechanism for restoration is, but we all know that that God is a God of love and he will never let his children just, you know, rot in hell. True parents want to want everybody to go to the blessing. And you know what the answer was? They said, yeah, we know that. But if we tell them there's a way back, then they'll want to fall. They'll want to experiment with it. Yeah. Well, this is, it's not, I, I feel like it's a an irresponsible way of of acting on a very sincere emotion, right? Because when you give people the opportunity to make mistakes, rather than keeping them confined in some prison cell, it's it's so scary, right? So if you do say that there is a way to redeem yourself if you make mistakes, then you're offering them the opportunity to make mistakes. And it creates the opportunity for a lot of pain and suffering that you don't want them to experience. And you don't want to experience as somebody who loves them. And so I understand where that comes from, this kind of like restrictive, restricting kind of fearful energy of like, just don't think about that stuff. Just stay, like, don't don't make mistakes. It's, it's a very clear parental energy that I think comes from a sincere place, but it's also, it lacks... It lacks trust and it lacks also a vision that of what purity ultimately is, which is it has to be your choice because purity isn't purity because you're not doing stuff. Purity is purity because you're willingly giving something to somebody else. So to have a pure heart is like to want to give something to somebody else. That's giving with a pure heart. And if you do it because you feel like you have no other option, that's not love. That's that's just like servant of servant positions, right? It's just like you're doing everything out of force or fear or some negative emotion. But to the credit, I, I hear this stuff and it sounds like a horror story. When I hear about tales of old workshops come by where people are told that they'll go to hell and there's no redemption if they make this mistake, like that is crazy and it's the opposite of love. But the origin of it, I believe, comes from a place of love of loving these kids and wanting them to not go through all the hell that probably the person giving the talk has been through, but is not a good approach. And I, I don't think it helps. Karina, you, I remember you were talking about this stuff too, growing up a certain way of educating and your own story and your own redemptive kind of story, right? So as somebody who kind of lived through it, do you have something to say? Yeah, it's tricky. I think I experience the the both sides. From one area, I remember something that it was mentioned a lot in, in during my time. It was the Tony Cook standard, and the Tony Cook standard was that you never hug opposite sex with a second intention or like like it has to have no hugs, no kiss, no touch in of any way and then if you uh, avoid those you can have your chonikuku standard so the chonikuku standard was like the thing to achieve and then 
if you lose your Chonikuk standard was your lineage, your sexual purity in a way, right? So that was like the next kind of line. And I remember I crossed a line hugging a, a guy and then I was like, okay, I lost my Chonikuk standard. I guess I can keep going until the next line <laughs> because either way I already lost it, right? So that's how it was, I, I experienced, right? Okay, I lost my Chonikuk standard. And then I, it was something that can I can standard that you lose once and that's it, right? And you don't kind of like once you cross that line, why like there's no way back? So may as well just enjoy your wherever you are, right? Or like just do whatever you are there. But at the same time, I do remember that knowing that having sex intercourse was the line that it wasn't able to cross back and it was the point where I could lose when my, in my I, I was told that I will lose my status as second generation and I cannot receive the blessing I knowing that it it cannot stop me to cross the line I will not say in the most healthy way. I will not say in the most, how to say, hopeful way, but it did. And then when I mature and I was able to understand what purity was and why it was important, then I was grateful for kind of like that education to not cross the line, right? Now, I understand that it, it is tricky. Right, so I even myself not sure how how to educate about this, right? Because the truth is, losing your lineage is as big as the fall for humankind, right? So it is not something to take as small, but for one sexual experience, your life should not be ruined, and there is redemption if you feel it right and if you want it and you're so it is it, it it i honestly did mistakes i didn't as i say i i couldn't cross that line but i did miss sexual mistakes big sexual mistakes right and at the end of the day i was able to mature a lot through them and i don't know it's really really hard to say what is the limit right I don't want my daughter to make mistakes because they were painful and they had their consequences. But at the same time, those made me who I am and what I strive for and how I live my life. So in a way, I'm grateful for them. So yeah, I I don't know. I'd like to say something about this topic of mistakes. And it's time to Uncle Andrew something you were you say is still stuck in my mind about how you you feel how those people's motivations was coming from a certain place about why people educated so so fearfully is that they wanted because they didn't want young people to make mistakes but that's their tide I'm bringing it up and it comes from a place of love and I believe differently actually I, I don't think it comes from a place of love and because it's 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 fearful, right? They're afraid of 
what will happen if young people do the, make those kind of mistakes. And the Bible quote, like our buddy John, right? He said it comes to my mind often. He said that said that there is no fear in love. So I, I don't. I mean, to me, that's just really clear and simple. Is that they can't coincide in the same way. So when when you're when you're motivated by fear, it's actually not love. Even though, and I do believe I agree though that there is some sincerity and desire and for there's goodness in that motivation. But it's motivated by other other things rather than genuine care for this this single person's life and their future. Because I think you would you do things differently. Right? You take a more longer viewpoint about how can I prepare this person for you know the living in the world and being on their own not not so much just how can I you know help this person avoid as many mistakes as possible until they reach this finish line called the blessing and and so tied to that about mistakes right because like this fear of mistakes what's helped me you know I got kids right so I understand very well also and I I for year, the past several years, my whole career working high noon have been mentoring and taking care of people. Right, so this being very vested in in other people's lives, right, that that dynamic, and what's helped me like take a longer viewpoint and and be a better mentor, be a better parent for all these people, is the understanding that part of living life is naturally to make mistakes, because here in life we learn. We're here to learn things. We're here to grow. And that's just a part of that process. When we're learning how to drive, knowing how to ride a bicycle, when we're learning how to make loving relationships with people. And, you know, we can teach people and teach our children, and they don't have to make every kind of mistake, but they're going to make some kind of mistake. You know, they're going to, amongst siblings, someone's going to, one of them, if if there's multiple siblings, one of them's going to be a bully. I don't know any family that didn't have a bully in the family, anything amongst the siblings. And, you know, it's it's very hurtful to the others. And or they'll bully other people or they'll I don't know, in some way they'll hurt somebody or they'll steal or they'll there's something, right? They make mistakes. And so not necessarily sexually, or and it could be sexually. But it's part of life and, and they are painful. And we do I it's like, yeah, I, I totally get it, the desire to people to avoid pain but when I think about my my children right and what my end goal is for them it's for them not to live the rest of their life under my protection as my child it's for them to go out in the world as their own independent person and to live their life and so that's what I want to prepare them for and even though it's painful it's those are the things that help them. Like Karina said, you know, those are the those experiences that help shape you who you are. I didn't need, you know, you didn't need those experiences. You just would have, you would have shaped in some other, incre- other equally incredible way if you had different experiences, right? But those are the experiences you had. Those are the mistakes you made. That's the pain that you felt, and so that's what made you become who you are now. And like I view pain as like really from the perspective of a life, especially from perspective of eternity. It's like the equivalent of like when I see my child fall and scrape their knee, but yeah, I feel sad and I want to, and I, okay, make sure they're okay. But I don't anguish over the, the, the direction of their destiny. 
because I, you know, intuitively recognize the scope of that incident. It's painful for minutes, maybe a couple days, and then they'll go on with their life. And I think from the perspective of eternity, and even just perspective of a lifetime, a lot of the mistakes, the pain that we experience from mistakes, it fits into that. It's painful for a time period, but then it helps us grow and helps us learn. And when we go on with our life. I think from from a healer's perspective, that's the long view that that we would want to adopt and attest to as being the healthiest. I just feel from like imagine that's you with a few kids, but imagine you had fifty thousand kids. Let's say you're a busy guy, right? But like on on that's kind of what our movement is like how to how to mitigate as much pain and suffering as possible. I think you know religions tend to gravitate towards fear because it's a very deep emotional motivator. And I'm not justifying it or saying, but it's a lot harder, especially given the corrupt nature of our culture, to motivate people by a sense of vision because we, we even that's that's our business in high noon is to help inspire vision within people and we can see how much individual resistance there is to that and that usually when people come to us it's not because they're inspired by our vision but it's because they've they're stuck and they they're motivated by i don't want to be stuck anymore which is more like fear of being stuck forever so i agree with you from like a and I, this that would be an ideal, you know, place to come from, from like parent to child. But organizationally, I just, again, I don't want to justify, but I do believe that that kind of made sense during the chaos of our movement from the 70s up until very recently, is that people didn't have the bandwidth to speak from a place of like calm, vision, love, you know, it's okay if you make mistakes because that's like, it's more like just can, can can we stop, you know, just stop. We just, can we have something that's stable for once? And and so I wanted to segue that like you're, what you're talking about is the, the starting of a conversation about purity 1.0 versus purity 2.0. And I'd love to unpack those because whenever I give those talks, I remember in the early days of giving the talk of Purity 2.0, I didn't lift up Purity 1.0. And Uncle Dave, I remember you giving me that note of like, don't have the tone that Purity 1.0 is bad because it, it is good, but it's only half the story. Purity 2.0 is much more like the completion. So I, I wanted to kind of unpack, because there were mistakes that were made in Purity 1.0, right? But I, I think it was an ignorance rather than like an intentional, vindictive Let's make people suffer. So that, does anybody want to unpack pack that or like lead that conversation about what is the difference between purity? One, what are the key differences between what was and what is becoming? When I was in, when we were in Europe, after we gave the talk about purity 2.0, one of the, yes, actually, he said, David, that's, uh, that's great. That's what we need. And you need to acknowledge the second gen that are here and the first two who kept their purity, you know, and not just, you know, like, you know, anyway, you need need to acknowledge 
the people who want the like the primary course, if you would, and at the same time to to emphasize forgiveness for the people who who want a different course. Uh, one thing that I I did change my something after we started having this discussion. Well, we first started the discussion about somebody who had had a sexual relation before marriage and then restored their purity. They could be complete, but they would have regret. Like they would regret that they could never give their first love to their spouse. And that would always be with them. You know, when I thought about that and I prayed about it, I remember in the principle it says that a restoration is to be restored completely the same to the same level as you were before the fall. You know, so restoring something that is lost its position is to completely restore that position as if it hadn't happened. And so I I realized that 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 regret it would not always stay with the person. That remorse would not always stay with the person. And, you know, maybe maybe through their experience, of course, there's going to be a lot of pain and a lot of suffering that they'll have to go through. And through that experience, there's going to be somebody down that they can help out. They can be qualified in a way that another person couldn't be qualified. Oh, I think that... I think that's one way that I changed I changed my belief about purity. I'm just being mind I just want to be sensitive or mindful that I don't talk too much, that's all. But I think I could always add something if need be. The we, we haven't discussed what are the negative consequences. So I I, th- I think that might be helpful place to list. Because you know, we're saying, Oh, there are, but it's not this, it's not this, it's not this. And yes, you can still be happy and have a good relationship and don't have to live shame filled for the rest of your life. It, it really, so I, and so I can share the perspective I can share. It's maybe not that perspective is I, I was, me and my wife, we were matched and by a true father and blessed. So we went, you know, that I didn't even know it was called at the time. It's the channel look matching. And there's this channel look standard, right? And you have to, they have very strict qualifications of say oh you know relationship history and sexual history so my wife and i we both fit that criteria so we're able to go i didn't have any kind of relationship and i don't think that hugging was on that official one though because i i had hugged women (laughs) prior and so what i can say as the benefits of having that background that's what i can share about is it's immensely helpful to not have the the imagery for one and the history of and the the comparisons and the the subconscious expectations or concepts of what relationship is supposed to look like or meant to look like and we were really start and i mean we did we had some stuff right from very other places but by and large way more than most people starting from a blank slate both of us that was really helpful especially because what I learned going to relationship was, wow, this is hard. It's a lot of work. And I thought in the beginning, I thought about it so many times, like, man, 
I'm like scrambling to figure out how to make, how, you know, how to do this right, given where we're starting. I mean, if we were starting farther back, I have no idea how we'd handle it. And so uh, you start farther back, what we can say, is that you just got more to clean up, more to work through, more to heal. And that can become, un- it can come to the point where like trying to work on that and be in a relationship and work in a relationship, it's, it's could be unrecoverable. It's just really hard and more, more hard than maybe what many, some people are capable of. And so they don't invest in the relation, like they don't do either one fully or successfully. And so they, they just scramble by. Uh, so I, that's to say that there are people that do and they have the thriving, wonderful marriages that we all hope for. I know many couples, different situations, both had a sexual relationship, both fell, they made a relationship work, only one of them fell or had any kind of sexual history and the other was had not and they made a relationship work. Uh, so it, it is the starting point, right? And, you know, the, the starting point of the rest of your life, your life partner. And so in the long run, like where you end up is infinitely more important than where you start. So, so, but in the beginning, like where you're starting from, it's very relevant because it's what you're experiencing and it becomes harder, right? And to different, to varying degrees of restorability, let's say like all, all restorable, not to say that, but some even, so coming from the background of like having watched porn prior, that was never officially part of the channel cook standard. They, they neglected lucked out there, Sammy. Right. Huh? Huh? You lucked out. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. And so that, like you, but I mean, even unofficially, it was not a requirement anyway, but just my conscious, like my original mind wanted this not to be part of my relationship. So even before I went to the matching blessing years prior, it was something I was working on and I was, I was completely clean from. And it's still something that affected my relationship with my wife, especially in the area of sex, is that I had a lot of unconscious concepts about how sex gets initiated, how sex progresses, and and even just images that came into my mind that with time did fade away and you know, with practice and education experience corrected all the misconceptions I had. Yeah, but it it harmed, it didn't help, it harmed, you know, the beginnings. And just, but yeah, but so it's like, yeah, but then, you know, we, we were able to work it out. And so, yeah, perspective from what I experienced. Yeah, thank you, Sam. I think coming back to your question, uh, Andrew, about period 1.0, 1.0 and then period 2.0, is that, as Sammy is saying, there's more, pre- like, clear reasons why purity is important from its consequences, but as well for its value, right? Both sides. And I I would love to get to the point where we talk about purity and people want to keep their purity, not out of fear, but out of the value that it will bring in their life, right? And how beautiful their lives can be. And for those who lost it, that they can go back to that and they want that right back because they understand why it's, why it's important in their lives, right? So I think 
Theory 1.0 was focus on fear, focus on if you do, this is the line, focus on the line and the details, right? Of what you can cross, what you cannot, and then saying that there are big consequences, but not really clear why, what are the consequences, not really clear about why the blessing is a blessing, right? Like why the, it is so valuable and, and just, yeah, just coming out from a place that don't talk about the bad things, right? Don't talk about porn. Don't talk about relationship. Don't talk about it because you open a door that will, other people will like to join, right? And I think we can do better, right? And we hope that the next level of purity is a place where we can acknowledge the 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 bad we can acknowledge the mistakes we can acknowledge what we can learn from it and as well we can acknowledge the purity and we can acknowledge how the blessing of keeping the purity and how wonderful it is and why it will be so good for the couple right and for people to decide to keep their purity from a place of oh wow i want that and that's a struggle that our generation faced. It was that it was it was preached to say keep your purity, but because with the promise of love, but we couldn't see that end result. We couldn't see how that bring good results because we couldn't see loving couples. We couldn't see happy families. So in that way, that really make the whole thing not very clear right the very theoretical and but if we can show happy couples show happy families show the value of purity and explain why is it worthy then i think more people will choose for it right and then it will be actually commitment and not like something that and you do because your parents push you for yeah. Yes. Inspiring. Can I turn around? Just... No. Stop talking. Just kidding. I think that purity is is essential to be happy. It's like it is an important and necessary part of life. And when when I think of opposite of purity, the words that come to mind are bitter, jaded, cynical, angry. Like qualities that like a person that doesn't contribute to a person's fulfillment in life or peace and and so purity is this it's something I, I think it's really important as something you grow and nurture and then and that you do have yeah I think the word has been associated with a whole bunch of mess as well because usually dictators use this you see this a lot in principle that the dark side does something first before the good people and they kind of tarnish it. So like purity was the main emphasis for the Nazi party, right? His pure lineage. And like this idea of we have lineage and we have pure lineage too. It's kind of creepy how close it is, except it's a completely different emphasis. And so, I mean, going off of Sammy's, like it's, it's beautiful. The whole thing about that I... Because I, I just gave this talk actually online a couple of days ago, 
And I could really see that Purity 1.0 is really about all the stuff to avoid. And it's super helpful as a foundation, but it doesn't mean that you're a good communicator or a nice person or a kind person, a good listener or anything good. It just means that you didn't do a bunch of bad stuff on this list. You could be a unabomber. You could be a psychopath and not kiss people and not do all these things, but it does. And we, we saw that. Honestly speaking, we've seen that in the blessing that somebody passes this criteria of not doing these certain things, but they're not stable mentally. They're not healthy spiritually. There's like all the sorts of these people have kind of somehow leaked their way into the blessing and have wreaked havoc in some people's lives. And it's really sad. And so I think we can avoid that by redefining purity. Like you said, Uncle Dave, in the beginning, which is a state of being, which is a pure mindedness, a pure heartedness, a pure spirit, you know, nature. And that culminates in pure actions, meaning loving and giving and the priority is on harmony, creating harmony. And so when that becomes the kind of goal, the standard, then it becomes much more visible whether each thought is taking you closer to that state or not. And it's more helpful for the individual, but it's also as a collective, it you can see, and Sam, you brought this up a little bit too, that it then the goal isn't to stay pure until your blessing and then there's no education after that, by the way. It's to maintain a life of purity and a pure family that has really good intentions and treats each other purely. Like I, I treat my wife with a pure heart. I treat my kids with a pure heart. If that's the gold standard, that's what you're saying, Karina, is very inspiring because you see the results of hanging out with a family like that. To me, I see that a lot in the Portalance family. Shout out to the Portalance is how they talk to each other is so inspiring. My wife and I have have always kind of felt like that's the gold standard of like when they hang out together, it's so inspiring. You know, like you, so many people have tried to engraft themselves into the Port of Arms family because it, it just feels nice being around them. So to, to have that, I think is, again, there's no end date to that. That's just the state that you would want to live in if it's that or like what Samuel was talking about being jaded and embittered and resentful and all this stuff, which is the way that the world is, which is you don't have pure intentions. You're very willing to do whatever it takes to make money or to get ahead in life or to take what you need from people. That's the antithesis of purity. Purity wants to give, like you said, Sammy, as a child, just kind of looks out into the world and says, hey, what what can I create today? And it's very, you know, beautiful and wants everybody to win kind of so I think that in terms of like a state, I, we could probably spend a lot more time defining that and illustrating that and exemplifying that so that that doesn't become the standard that everybody compares themselves to, but it just becomes a more etched out vision of what life could be like if we just lived a certain way. It's not like, am I doing it or not? It's more like, oh, I can see I'm veering off from the standard that I am hoping to achieve. You're throwing, you're throwing around that. And I think that our church has been looking for a subjective standard that they can gauge purity. by, And they've come up with a definition of like any part of the penis touching any part of the job, sexual abuse, rape. If somebody is raped, then the standard of the 
of the church said, says that they've lost their purity. And I think they've been looking for a subjective standard. There was one, I read one reflection from our high noon tour in the Philippines where she's grateful that she only had lesbian relationships because she could keep her purity. And yeah, so Karina, you've got your hands full. You're you're going to be the, the new head of the BFD. This book, you to redefine purity. <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah, well, it's time we start wrapping things up. So any last reflections would be helpful. Why is this, why is this worth discussing? Let's start there. Oh. Why should people care about this topic? Why is it important? Okay, well, I think it's really important because some people have taken issue with High Noon. When we go to talk with young people and we we're, we hear these questions, like they'll have anonymous Q&A. And so many times we'll get questions like, I've fallen. Is there any hope for me to still get the blessing? And And we tell them, yes, absolutely, there's hope. You can... You can restore a mistake. And some people, they take issue with this and they say that if you tell people that, then they're just going to want to try it out because they know they can always come back. And that leads to a very judgmental church, self-righteous. And it's not the kind of church that most second gen or even first gen want to be a part of. It's not what I signed up for when I joined this church. Thank you. Yeah, very true. Sammy, Karina? I think it's important to talk about this because we want to be happy, right? And we mentioned before about how purity has its impact in our happiness and in our life overall. Yeah, when if we, if we have a mind full of dirty stuff and ugly stuff, right? They, we will not be able to find joy and happiness in our lives. So it really is part of our key aspects of our lives for our happiness and love, right? So not only based on like our experience, but as well how we see the world and how much, how, what is our understanding of love and the use of sex, right? So usually people who have sex once and then they feel like their purity has lost forever, they will not stop there. They will continue having sexual relationships. And that's where they become unhappy because that's where they lose themselves in the experience of sex with different people, right? And that's where the problems start to get bigger. So... I I believe it's important to talk about this because it has its real consequences, but at the same time, purity by itself is something wonderful that we should want to achieve, no matter if we had a sexual relationship or not in our past. Thank you, Karina. Ditto. Just ditto, it's important. I, I think doubly so because it's it's actually important and so misunderstood. So it's two sides to an important reason why or a reason why it's important to talk about it's i mean on one side it's, it's naive to assume that you can enter a fulfilling relationship without any preparation and that you can live immaturely 
self-centeredly, hedonistically, and then naturally transition into being a selfless, caring spouse. And then on the other side, having make you know making mistakes doesn't end the possibility of happiness for you. Is that you know there's a there's an end direction that we can always pursue. There's a vision and ideal that we can work towards. And you know, where we're starting from, you know, it changed person to person and stage in our life. But it's just a starting point. Yeah, and I yeah. say the potential to the the potential to give my sexuality exclusively to my spouse is really important because the difference between absolute sex and free sex is the conjugal love loses its potential for perfection the moment it's divided that's the definition that father gave one time and it does set the you know the precedent for you know for that that conjugal love to be divided yeah thank you i think you know we what we're talking about here is that there is an impact when we do stuff there's an impact on us and on other people and the world and our future and the past is is all connected it's this being that we're participating in and that's something that if you've made mistakes in the past you got to get real with and you got to heal that stuff and that is possible and it's always redemption is always a possibility that's been that was the story of Jesus. That was the whole purpose of him. And so we're meant to be a step beyond that, right? Which is fully redempting our souls. And so if you can understand that, then the hope is to avoid impacting the world negatively and impacting yourself and your future negatively, and instead creating a vision where you're really participating in the fullness of love and life. And in so doing, you will be avoiding those mistakes. So... Thank you all for listening. We are going to wrap it up here. This is a topic that we really recommend you have conversations about in your homes and with us and wherever you are, because we've been wrestling with this quite a bit over the years, and it only really seeps in after you've talked about your concepts and your fears and your doubts and your hopes and your dreams and all that, and that's the high noon way. So please reach out if you have any questions. Please talk to your friends and family about this stuff. It's really, really important. The more mainstream we can get with these kind of conversations, the faster we can all get to a workable, livable culture of purity. So thank you all, and I'll see you next week. Peace. Say bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.